Welcome to Hope Springs Community of Faith Podcast, where we love people and we love God. If you want to open your Bibles once again to Colossians chapter 1. I think every time we sing that song, I'd say the same little thing afterwards. The word glory means to bloom. Uh, there's the passage, Christ in you, the hope of glory, talking about Jesus blooming in you. And just how the words of that song say, our hope is that we could see your glory, like to get a picture of it. And it's a picture like a picture of seeing him bloom, Christ bloom in us and through us. And like going through life, pretty much that's my hope. Um, I used to hope to see it in myself a lot. Like I hope to get a glimpse of his glory in my life. But lately, I'm just, I'm actually hoping to see it in in you. And I I do. And there's many times when that happens and you get that glimpse of Christ in someone else and his glory blooming in them. And it, it gives you a renewed hope, not just in humanity, but in God and in, in what he does and the way he works. And it might be the smallest of blooms, but when you, when you see it or you hear it or you experience it or you're a part of it, like it, it changes things. And so I'm going to read here in Colossians chapter 1. Uh, we usually go through verse 12, but I'm, I may stop sooner than that. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all those who are complete because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. God, this morning, um, I'm I'm just hopeful that the stories that you told of heaven and uh, stories other people have told of heaven, whether they've studied or thought, dreamed, imagined, whatever they are, that uh, it would become a little more clear and that um, for me personally, God, that like I wouldn't, I wouldn't just spend my time hoping for something in the future, but that I would figure out a way to live today. And I love you, Jesus. Amen. So, real quick, one of the very first songs we sang, uh, Blessed Be Your Name, it talks about when the sun's shining down on me. It's easy to be praising God when the sun's shining down on me. Or when, like, a building's filled with heat. Like, it's a lot easier to be happy. And, and so last week was nice because we all came in and everybody was like, whoa, everybody came in with parkas and everybody was like, whoa, wow, this is amazing. And took their jackets off. And then this week, people came in and they're like, whoa. But actually, since we've all got in here and the doors have been closed solid-ish, it's like raised two degrees. So you should be happy of yourselves for that. But um, no, there's, I guess, this is, the, this is the story I was told to tell. There's like these pipes. It's a boiler system, and there's these pipes that run under the ground, and allegedly they keep leaking out, so we're going to have to fix that. So last week we filled it up right before, like a couple days beforehand, so we had heat. So hopefully next week, no promises, but you never know. But if you want to know if there's heat or not, you can text Jeff. His number is six. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not going to give out his number. Those would be a lot of hate texts from my wife is all they would be. So. Um, 
This morning we're going to talk about heaven. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that's covered a little bit in the New Testament by writers. It's talked a lot about by Jesus. It is talked a ton about by Christians and people like that. And there's, there's a lot of um, weird things about heaven. Like in Christianity, heaven is thought to be this futuristic place that's out there that is in time dimension. But Jesus never talked about it in time dimension. He always talked about it in a location dimension, but never in time. But for some reason, we have placed it at this future date that we are all waiting to someday enter or see or hear. And we have all these ideas, like Christianity has passed down these ideas that then has informed all of humanity, basically. And we say things like, there are no tears in heaven. And we would all be like, oh, and then people write songs about there not being tears. I can never remember. Was the song, there are no tears in heaven or there are tears in heaven? No tears. It doesn't matter. But we all talk about it, right? Like, we, that's a thing that we think that there's no tears in heaven. But what does Jesus say about tears in heaven? Yeah. He'll wipe away every tear. That's what he says about heaven. We say that there's going to be mansions. We've written songs about them. We talk about it. What did Jesus say about mansions? He said, in the land of my father, there are a lot of safe dwelling places. Safe dwelling places. He was talking to a group of people who were on the run. Talking to a group of people who were poor, slaves, mistreated. They were conquered. They had an invading army that was everywhere around them, disease-ridden. And he says, in the land of my fathers, there's a lot of safe places to live. We talk about heaven and we say there's streets of gold, gates of pearl. We talk about the walls of heaven. We say that it's lined with jewels. And the Bible even names some of them. It says, like, there's amethyst and there's jasper. There's lapis lazuli, which is this blue kind of stone. There's emeralds. There's rubies. doesn't mention diamonds. It's only been in, like, the last 150 years that diamonds were thought of as a precious stone. Before that, they were a utilitarian. You used them to cut things up with and stuff like that. And as Christians, we talk about that, and, we, and for some reason, like, we say that this life isn't about um, material things, but then we describe heaven in a completely materialistic way, talking about all these precious stones. And what does Jesus say about precious stones? He says, your works, what you do, could never buy your way into heaven. That was purchased by his blood on the cross. Like it's a free gift, not that anyone should be able to boast about it and say, look, I worked so hard that God was like, man, that dude's good enough. Here you go. You're in heaven. But he does say, all the things you do, we're going to gather them all up. And I'm going to put them through a trial like fire and see, his words, not mine, where they be, whether they be wood, hay, and stubble, and they burn up in an instant, or they be like precious stones that made it through the fire, 
more beautiful and more hard than before. And then he talks about how heaven, his word for heaven, Uranos, which literally means encompassing, is filled with these stones. Almost like the things that we're doing here are building the walls of heaven. But he never talks about it in this future tense. He talks about it in a very present tense. In fact, he talks about it in such a present sense that he says, listen, the kingdom of heaven, it's right now. It's at hand. That's what he said. Like imminent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he starts telling all of these stories about heaven. And you know what's strange when you listen to his stories? They don't sound like ours. They don't sound like crossing over Jordan River and some rusty raft and then all of our family being there and them all being like, hey, Jonathan, good to see you. Finally, you made it. And then we walk down streets of gold and maybe some people say you get a little angel wings or strum on a harp or all these different images that we can conjure up. None of Jesus' stories of the kingdom of heaven sound anything like that. One of the first ones he tells, we have a picture of it right there. All the way on the right-hand side. There's a guy that allegedly is supposed to be Jesus, I think, even though in his story, Jesus wasn't the one spreading the seeds, and Jesus didn't look like that because he wasn't from America. And so, but it's the story of a guy who spreads a bunch of seeds. He said, you want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like? And again, when he was saying heaven, they were hearing the word encompassing all around, not way out there in the middle of nowhere. Not the cosmos, not the sky. You want to know what it's like? The kingdom where God dwells, it's encompassing all of us all the time. It's like this. It's like a guy who goes out and he decides, he sees this land and he says, I want crops to grow here. And he takes some seeds and he tosses them out. And some of the seeds, a bird swoops down, carries it away. They'll never turn into a plant. Christ in you, the hope of glory, to bloom. They'll never turn into a plant. Some of them land on hard soil, and they have a hard time penetrating. Some of them land in shallow soil, and the roots grow really, really short. And they grow up really fast, and then the sun comes up, dries them all up, and they die. But some, some of these seeds, they fall on soil that's been cultivated. It's been broken. And if you need a little explanation, soil is your heart. It hits that soil that's been broken, been churned upside down, probably been spread with manure all over it. It's been watered with tears. And it's ready to receive the seed, which he says is just simply good news. It's ready to hear good news. The good news that something we sing about, 
I am yours and you are mine forever. That's the good news, that Jesus came. He lived a life, a sinless, perfect life. He died a horrific, criminalistic death. To say, I am yours and you are mine forever. And the kingdom of heaven is like that heart that's been broken and watered and filled with manure and whatever other term you want to use inside there instead. And it takes root and it grows and it blooms. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He also tells another story. He said, you want to know what the place where my father dwells, the encompassing place the kingdom of heaven is like? It's like a man who he finds this treasure, and it's really, 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 really expensive treasure, but it's been buried in this piece of land, and nobody knows it's there, but he finds out it's there, and he sells everything he has, every single thing, to buy this piece of land. He buys this piece of land, he takes it, he opens it up, and guess what's inside? He digs down, and he finds this treasure, this great and valuable treasure. You know who that treasure is? It's you. You know who the man is that gives up everything to purchase you? Jesus. He says that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a man who goes off on this long journey and he's walking through the marketplaces and he sees this pearl. And this pearl is the biggest pearl he has ever seen in his life. It's a pearl of great price. And he goes back and he sells his ship and he sells everything and he comes back to that market and he purchases that pearl. You know what's crazy when he told that story? Pearls were valueless at the time. They were junk. They would open up a clam and they'd be like, oh man, here's a stupid pearl. They just wanted the food. Or oyster. I don't know which one it's born in, but whichever one. And Jesus is telling these things to these people, so they're probably thinking, how big does this pearl have to be to be of great value? How big was the oyster? But you know who can recognize and get full value out of that story? Us. He talked about purchasing something that seemed of no value to one group of people only later on in life to see that it is far, far, far valued. That's you and me. He finds me when I've got no value. And somehow, through Christ in me, the hope of glory and him blooming, the value of my life becomes incalculable. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Then he tells another story. He says, you want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like? This all-encompassing place where my father dwells? His land? It's like a king who throws this giant party, a huge wedding, and he invites everybody. He says, I want you to come, and I want you to come, and I want you to come. And one guy's like, you know what? I just bought an oxen, and I have to go try, it, try them out, see how they work, so I won't be able to be there. That would be like you saying, I just got, bought a car, and I have to go test drive it now. Who would do that? Another guy goes, you know what? I just bought a piece of land, so I got to go see what it looks like. Again, that would be like you buying a house, which I have done, sight unseen, over the internet, and then being like, oh. And it didn't turn out to be like what we thought it was going to be when we got there. And then somebody else is like, you know what? My dad's going to die someday, so I'll just hang out here till he does. And then I'll come to the wedding. 
And the king who threw this big party for his son, who he was super proud of and very excited, was like, you know what? This is ridiculous. You don't want to come to my party? You're making up stupid excuses? Guess what? My party will be completely full. And he went out on the highways and the byways, and he said that he told his servants, get every single person you see. I don't care if they're a leper and you don't want to touch them, get them here. I don't care if they're lame and they're laying down in a ditch. I want you to pick them up and carry them in because my house will be full. That's what Jesus said heaven, God's all-encompassing dwelling place is like. It is like a place filled with Everyone, not the best, although they'll be there. It's not filled with the cleanest, although there's clean people there. It's not filled with the smartest, although there'll be smart people there. It's filled with everyone. You know what else is filled with everyone? This world. He said, the kingdom of heaven, God's all-encompassing dwelling place, the people in it are going to look a lot like the people in Bangor and Penargel and Pennsylvania and the U.S. and North and South America and the entire world. Then he tells another story. Because Jesus loved to tell stories. And he loved, loved, loved talking about a heaven that was at hand. That means imminent, that is right there. He loved talking about it. Almost like stretch out your hand. It's there. Reach it. Grasp it. Stop just waiting. Stop just hoping. Because you know what happens when we wait? Because this next story is going to talk a little bit about that. But you know what happens when we wait? We never do. We never engage. We never become a part of. Because we're always waiting for this future thing to happen. Well, someday, blah, 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 blah. Well, someday, blah, 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 blah. And we never live in today. And the kingdom of heaven is all about today. God is omnipresent, which means always present. We like to say it means he's everywhere all at the same time. Yes. But that means he's always present. That is the only eternity in the world is the present. That's it. That's the only thing that's eternal. The present. And if we create a religion that just has sets all of our hopes in a future day at some point, we never dwell in today. We're always just thinking and hoping and waiting. Waiting. One of my biggest hang-ups with Christianity growing up was I felt like my life was just going to be a giant waiting game. And then I kept picking these dates in the future. Well, I hope God doesn't come back in 1993 because I want to at least graduate and go to college. I had all these different hopes that God doesn't come back here, 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 because I wanted to do all these kinds of things. But they were all these futuristic thought. And so then we create an entire religion that is filled with doctrines and theologies where we talk about waiting and we start teaching all these songs about waiting. Someday, when this life is oh, I'll fly away. That song, the whole thing is about some future event. You know who came up with that song? 
people in slavery. So much of what happened in Christianity from the time of King James writing the first Bible in English has to do with trying to make people who were caught in captivity or have no freedom to feel okay being in captivity and freedom. So the message becomes something about some future day and some future hope out there because terrified Religious elite were terrified that common people, people like you and me, would become unsatisfied with the place that they were in and want something more now. So they tried to make everything be about some future event so you could be satisfied in the now, knowing that some other day the delivery is coming. And Jesus shows up and he says, no, it is about now. I have come to set you free. And the truth will always set you free. So he says the kingdom of heaven is like this. There's three men. They work for a guy. And the guy is getting ready to go away on vacation. And he says, I'll be back someday. And he hands a guy 10 talents, or we'll call them $10,000. Hands another guy $5,000. Hands another guy $1,000. He said, I'll be back. Let me see what happens to that money while I'm gone, though. The first guy takes his $10,000, and he goes to the stock market. And he invests it in the stock market, and he gets a huge return. I guess he was really smart with that kind of stuff. Another guy, the guy he gave $5,000 to, he started finding his friends who needed money. And he said, I'll lend you some money, but I'm going to charge you interest. So he lent it out to his friends, recouped interest, and he made a little money. The third guy he gave $1,000 to, he was like, oh, I got a thousand bucks and I don't want to lose it. So he dug a hole and he buried it. Someday came, the landowner, their boss, whatever he was, shows back up and he's like, hey guys, I'm back. See what you did with what I gave you. And the guy that invested in the stock market, he comes back and he's like, look, I had, you gave me $10,000. Guess what? I bought Bitcoin and now it's worth $25,000. Here you go. If you did it early enough. He's like, man, good job. My good and faith-filled servant. My kingdom's yours. He looks at the next guy and goes, what'd you do? I gave you $5,000. What happened? And he's like, I took the $5,000 that you gave me and I invested it. I put it out and I lent it to people and I collected interest. And now my $5,000 has turned into $7,500. And the landowner's like, awesome, man. I trusted you with something and you gave it your all. You did what you knew what was best. You put it to work. You used it. You took a leap of faith. Well done, my good and faith-filled servant. Enter into the kingdom and enjoy all that's mine is yours. And he looks at the last one and he goes, I gave you a thousand bucks. What'd you do? And he's like, well, well, I know you're an angry man and you love to punish people. I've known that my whole life. Actually, that's been my only experience with you is you love to punish people. Every story I've heard from my family talks about your punishment. Every story I've heard from the leaders around here talks about your punishment. All I know of you is you're a punisher. So I dug a hole, and I stuck it out back, 
I dropped a thousand dollars in there. I only have like 995 of it though because some worms got in and ate five bucks. Sorry. And he says, You fool. If you really thought that about me, like if you really thought that I'm a hard man, why didn't you try? Like, why didn't you do something? Why'd you just go off like a coward and bury this? Give me that money and go on. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like that. Like God gives us talents, abilities, fills us with faith, offers us grace, tells us to use grace, to offer forgiveness, to always be forgiving, to love, to be kind. And he places us here in this world that is empty or void of all of those things, and he wants us to use them, put them out, put them to work. But we're thinking so much about this future day out there that we just hold it all. We don't know when he's coming back. So I'm just going to bury my talents, bury my abilities, bury my gifts. Bury the very commands that he's asked me to do. Bury the way that I'm supposed to live. I'm going to bury it and I'm going to hold it and I'm going to be selfish with it because I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to be nice to the wrong person. What if I forgive the wrong person and they just do it to me again? What if I offer this person kindness and they slap me back in the face with it? What if I try to do and use my gift and they don't want to use my gift or want to see my gift? I know God's given me this talent, but what if I'm scared to use it? What if people laugh at me when I try? I know God has given me this dream to start this thing, but 70% of businesses that start fail within the first year. I'm scared. So we bury it. Just wait for that future day when he's going to show up and take us home. But he says, the kingdom of heaven is all-encompassing. It's at hand. Let's live in it now. And finally, and the one that gives me the most hope, there's a story that he tells about the kingdom of heaven. He said, you want to know what my father's all-encompassing land is like? And yes, all the stories you've heard, there are many safe dwelling pieces, places. Streams of living water flow. There's peace. He wipes away every tear. Every morning is filled with joy. Darkness flees. All of that is true. And it's at hand, like it's sitting right over there. Like you can enter that now. And let me tell you how. My father's all-encompassing land is like a guy who has a field, and the field needs to be worked on. And so he starts looking and he says, hey, you want to enter my harvest? I need some help. And the guy's like, sure. He's like, I'll give you 10 bucks. And he's like, how long do I have to work? All day. All right. Sounds like a good deal. So he goes out and starts working. 
And the landowner's watching and it's not going fast enough and there's some other guys that are just hanging out, sitting around, not doing anything. He's like, hey, you guys want a job? And they're like, yeah, I want purpose. I want to do something. I want to be a part of something. He's like, I'll give you 10 bucks to go in there and start working on my field. How long? Till tonight. Cool, they go. After lunch, he sees the work still not getting done fast enough. So he goes over and he finds some other guys and he's like, hey, you guys want to work? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, I'll give you 10 bucks. How long do we have to work? Till tonight, go on. Still not quite enough. Find some more guys. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He sends them in. 10 bucks. How long do we have to work? Till 5 o'clock tonight. That's quitting time for everybody. They jump on it. Then you see somebody else who comes up to him and is like, man, I need a job. He's like, tell you what. 10 bucks. You go out there and you work. He's like, what time's quitting time? He's like, 5. He's like, it's 4.50 right now. He's like, yeah. Go for it. So he goes in and works. Five o'clock, the whistle blows, everybody lines up. He comes out, he's like, here's $10, here's $10, here's $10, here's $10, here's $10, all the way down the line. The guy at the front of the line's like, dude, I worked all day. I worked hard. Like, you saw me sweating. In fact, at lunchtime, when you brought those other guys in, I was having to show them how to do it, and I still was working, and I still did my share, and we're all getting $10? And he looks at him and he says, I own the field, man. This is, this is the deal that we made. You're getting your share. Don't worry about what's going on with him. He's getting his share as well. Jesus said, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's scandalous. It's not fair. In fact, if anything is unfair in this world, it's the fact that everything I do is forgiven by God. Whether or not I ask him for forgiveness or not, he forgives me. He says, while I was still in sin, in the midst of doing it, he forgave me. He came for me. He got underneath that. All the junk that I piled on in my life to my life, he carries it away. And it doesn't matter if I've been a quote-unquote, not the real word for saint, but the word that Americans would use for saint, been a saint my entire life, or if on my deathbed I say, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. I end up in the same place. That is what the kingdom of heaven is about. That is unmerited favor, which is the definition of grace. It is an unearned reward, which is the definition of mercy. It is something that I could never, ever, ever work hard enough to get. And it's not sitting out there for some future date that I'm just sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for a trumpet sound of me to go to heaven or me to take my last breath on earth and then all of a sudden magically show up in this new place. But it is the kingdom of heaven that, yes, I 100% believe in an afterlife. I do. 
But I also believe that the kingdom of heaven, the encompassing Uranus, the encompassing land of God, is at hand. And he's begging us to enter. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to the Hope Springs podcast. And a special thanks to Ashita for the music that you guys hear right now. And feel free to check us out on the web at www.hopespringscommunity.org. Thanks. God bless. Two dreams on the green grass and the birds speak not a night. Past and the sun shines not in old times, but a new pure taste as the day breaks in the heartache. Step aside for some fresh dreams, so oh, your soul screams, arise. You're alive.